Hi, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. For months, we take time to prepare and educate ourselves on this new adventure of motherhood. But as we all know, once the baby is born, we're still left with so many questions and need all the help we can get. Women really should have a sense of empowerment as they begin to experience these life-changing moments. And no one mother has it all figured out. However, the more informed we are, the better decisions we can make that will positively affect us and our family. And that's what this podcast is about. Sharing honest, raw, and real conversations about motherhood, life, and all of the crazy, messy, beautiful in-betweens to hopefully educate, empower, and support the next mother on her motherhood journey. So sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I am on with a very special guest, Mrs. Katie Corbett. Katie holds a master's degree in community health education and is a certified health education specialist and a busy mom of eight whom she homeschools. I cannot wait to tackle that. She also teaches busy moms how to manage stress and anxiety without using food and how to make time for self-care. Katie walks you through step-by-step how to implement a holistic approach to your health and create a sustainable life that suits each individual personality. I love that. Welcome, Katie. How are you today? Hi, thank you so much. I'm doing great. So I just gave kind of like an overview. Why don't you tell my listeners a little bit more, whatever you'd like to share, family, career, maybe your kids' ages. I know you've been married to your best friend, your husband, so all of that good stuff. Sure. Yeah. So we just, well, this year we celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. So we're actually coming up on our 21st, but I have a daughter turning 20 on Thursday, which is so crazy because when she turned 13, my husband and I are like, wow, we have a teenager. That's crazy. And now she's going to be 20. And I also have a two-year-old and then I have, you know, (laughs) there's six more in the middle of that, but then- Yeah. Yeah. So we've got, I've got like, I feel like I have all the ages covered. So we're teaching, you know, some just my one daughter, just, we dropped her off at college a week ago. So she's going to college now. And then yeah, I'm teaching one of them how to potty train another one, how to read. It's like all these ages, but everything's sprinkled in. So we've kind of got a busy home, but it's good. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just, <laughs> oh my God, God bless you. That sounds amazing in the sense to have that. And I, and like I said, we'll tackle that a little bit more. So why don't you tell me the ages of all of them? Sure. Okay. So my daughter's going to be 20 and then I have a 17 year old and a 15 year old, a 13 year old, a 10 year old, a eight year old and a six year old and a two year old. Wow. God bless. So what has that been like? Actually, before we get into homeschooling and your choice to do so, and I think it particularly will, will resonate with parents nowadays, especially because of all that is going on in the world. But how has that transition been like? I'm always fascinated when I hear parents who have kids in double digits, maybe like teenager two, gosh, 20 years old. And then now a two-year-old or from like from maybe infant to maybe a 10-year-old, how is that like in age? And how is that like generational? Like, what has that experience been like? Because I couldn't even imagine. 
Yeah. When I had my first, I was like, how do people do this? Like it took me the very first doctor's appointment we went to, you know, so after they, we got out of the hospital and then a couple of days later, they had you go to your pediatrician for a checkup. It took me four hours to get out the door that day. I was, I was sweating, panicked. I'm like, I don't know how moms do this. This is impossible. Like I just felt like as soon as I was ready to get out the door, she'd have a diaper explosion or she'd want a nurse or like, I, I was so out of sorts. I could not fathom then having a kid that was not on my radar. We didn't set out for that, but my husband was an only child and both his mom and dad were also only children. So if you can imagine there was no cousins or aunts or uncles and his grandparents had passed away. So when his, we were like two kids and done, that's it. But when we got home from our honeymoon, his mom passed away the next day. And so it was, it was literally him and his father. And Christmas was like only a few days from then. And so our very first Christmas married, it was me and my husband and then his dad. And that was it. There was no, there was no family really. Like there were no cousins. There was no aunts or uncles. There was nobody. I'm like, this is so sad. And Mm. I was like, let's just have a bunch of kids. Like, let's like rebuild a family here, you know? And he was kind of like, well, maybe two or three kids, but that's it. And then I, you know, I was like, well, whatever, let's see, let's have one. And then we'll see if we want maybe one more. And so we've always just always wanted one more. (laughs) So like, that's kind of how we built our family. It wasn't like we started out thinking, okay, we're going to have a ton of kids. And, but, but it just was something I just felt that right away when we got married, like, this is sad. It just felt sad Mm -hmm. to me. Like I wanted I grew up with a larger family and cousins and and aunts and uncles and a hustle and a bustle, especially mm-hmm. around the holidays. So just sit there and heard mm-hmm. the sadness of her having passed away. And then just, just the three of us sitting there, I'm like, oh, this is, life is bigger than this. Like we need, you know, we need people to, to have it in our lives. So anyway, no. that's how we started. And that's such a good point with that. But I guess I could also ask then, did you have help? you know, did you have that village? And so it was really just you and your husband. Yeah. Yeah. My mom and dad both worked full time and my sister and her, they they were all, we actually live in Pennsylvania. Everybody else lives in New Jersey too. So no, it really was kind of us, you know, just the two of, and really a lot of it was me and there was some loneliness there. And my husband works in New York city and we live in Pennsylvania. So he he's gone a lot. And actually now I know, but, but then I was lonely and I would use food to kind of fill up the gaps of life and, and help me, you know, ebb away. Like it would give me something to do like, Oh, let me cook something or let me eat something as a distraction. And I I didn't know that until I I had started the the weight loss journey that I did, but I did use food as a way to kind of cope with feeling lonely because I really was lonely. And and there were a lot of times where he, my husband um, works in New York city, but he's a, an operational engineer. Uh, so he, he runs a heavy machinery. And so a few of his jobs have been digging out. He uses a tunnel boring machine and wow. they dug like water lines from upstate New York down into New York city. And the ground is such where if you start digging with these huge machines, you can't stop because then the ground would settle. So mm-hmm. they would run for however, however long the job would be. It was a 24 seven operation. So there were almost years at a time where he was working seven days a week and gone a lot, you know? And so it was kind of like, I was just in the trenches, but I, I didn't realize how lonely I was until now looking back saying, okay, now I understand. Okay. That, that is why you know, food was such a comfort because I really was looking for help or, you know, being lonely and, and just using the food then to kind of distract from that feeling. 
So now looking back, I get it. But but during, yeah. yeah, during the time when in the trenches, yeah, definitely it was hard. It was hard. and you homeschooled that whole time as well. I did. Yeah, yeah. We started homeschooling when my oldest was in second grade, and my youngest at the time, my second oldest, was going into kindergarten. And I was pregnant with our fourth, and I was actually I was pregnant with our fifth. And we were kind of doing the numbers and it was like, mm, you know, elementary school, 8,000, you know, high school is going to be double that just for a couple of them. And then, you know, then we have to think of college. And so I was like, okay, well, let me do some number crunching and research on homeschool. There's some homeschool moms that I talked to are like, oh no, I knew when they were in my womb that I was going to homeschool. And that was, you know, when we were going to bake bread and grind our wheat berries and like, that wasn't me. You know, I, I was looking forward to them having the school experience, but as I was going through the numbers and thinking, let me research and see, maybe this is something I could do. And that could be mm-hmm. my contribution to our, our family economy. And I started researching and I was really pleased with what I learned. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I thought, okay, let me continue. And now I'm so glad I took the chance and did it. Cause now that I have adult girls and they're really awesome. You know, they, they, the relationship is so close because we've got that time invested and we have three girls first, and then we had five boys. So my boys are, <laughs> there's, they're fun, you know, but they're all little. I have you know, all the, all the boys yeah. are mm-hmm. the younger edge of the thing. But on the other hand, all my girls are the teenagers and turning 20. And so they have kind of become like small adults in a way where, yeah. you know, we can go shopping together now. I'd be like, Hey, do you want to go do some girl time? And we'll go grab some lunch and, and just spend time together. And I can invest in them differently than I need to invest in the boys. So it's been so rewarding because I think as far as like relationship homeschooling goes, they know I'm for them and I'm like their biggest advocate. And, sure. and I know them so well, I know what their learning styles are. I know what their interests are. I know what will completely turn them off and what they'll hate. And, and so knowing that and then knowing, okay, she's my advocate. She's here for me. There's not that. I don't find that we have that headbutt relationship. Not that we're perfect, but that teenage angst where they kind of feel like the, the adult is your enemy or something. Like we don't have that. Like they, they can come to me and talk to me and, and I'll give them some wisdom. I mean, it's definitely a different relationship than when they were little and it was, sure. you know, managing behavior and teaching them right from wrong. Now it's kind of like, okay, it, even with my daughter, when she was deciding what to do as far as college goes, you know, she's like, what should I do? You know, I don't know. And I'm like, you're, you no matter what you do, I know you'll be successful because that's just your personality. So where do you see yourself in five years? I almost mm-hmm. took her through the same coaching process that I would take a client. Like, okay, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, what, how do you want to spend your day? How do you want to spend your mm-hmm. time? What, you know, what lights you up, what drains you and, and then go from there. And so it's definitely a different relationship now that they're older, but it's been great. Like, I really am thankful. I took a chance and homeschooled. I was yeah. really worried that the social, you know, like is, some of the misconceptions, like yeah. they won't have the social, they'll miss that. I mean, granted, they have a bunch of siblings, so it was there. But do you have any help with the homeschooling? Do you do groups? Because I know they have like homeschooling, um, not cohorts, but they have groups yeah. where you can meet yeah. up. Yeah, we do. So I found, I found like the opposite was true. Almost. We had to say no to so many good things because there were so many options. It was almost like, 
you know, we need to really, um, so one of the things I teach the moms too, is like make a mission statement of what you want your homeschool to be like, so that you can hold up whatever comes up for you. You can kind of hold it up to your mission statement and say, you know what, that does not fit with what our, our long-term vision is. So for example, for my husband and I dinner together as a family, where we can connect in the evening was important to us. And so that was very easy then when things would come up, if it was like, well, you know, with this sport, they practice five nights a week and it's at six o'clock. It's like, okay, that's not doable for us because that would cut right into the only time we have as a family together, you know? So if it was something that was only a week or two long, it would be like, okay, let's do it. Cause that's, that's fine. It's not forever, but some of these would be three or four months. And for us as a large family, that might be great for like one or two of the kids to go do that. But then I've got six kids at home just sitting there then, you know, like not having us there. So there is a bit of a juggling act trying to find the right balance of things or just trying to find things that they can do that doesn't require a lot of you know time. So for my boys, they love football. So there's a football clinic and they practice um, on a Saturday morning and then the game is right after the practice, right? So it's like, okay, this we could do because it's not really taking away from anybody else, but they are also getting the opportunity to go ahead and play football. So you know, having that, that vision statement of like, what do we want our day to look like Yeah, really helped with then deciding, okay, what activities would fit in with that vision and what ones really would get in the way of us being able to carry that out. So that was one really great way to, to be able to. And I love that. I think often I actually love that. And, you know, it's funny. I I've now that I am a mom and I, and I only have one and I'm a new mom, my son will be four, but I've worked in corporate is, it's very much, especially if you have a high level position, it's very much like, you know, running your household is like running a corporation. Mm -hmm. And I love that aspect of saying, you know, think of what your mission is, what your vision is as a family and say, okay, out of all these things, this is what's important. Because then I think from what you've said is it helps you set your boundaries, right? Of what we can't do this, we can't do that, which and we'll probably pivot back into the mom stuff because this is a, a motherhood podcast, but I want you to talk about health, wellness, and chocolate. You know, I know you mentioned, which makes sense that while your husband, you know, worked a lot and you're home with the kids, yeah, you're snacking, you're this, you're cooking, you're saying that, and maybe you do have a few minutes, but you're by yourself. So you're like, all right, I'm just gonna, you know, you look at, you know, whatever it is, you know, to make you, you feel comfortable at that moment. Yeah go into further into your inspiration behind creating that. And then, you know, your career, because I see you're a certified health and wellness coach and all of that, all of that good stuff. Yeah. So just after I had my seventh baby, I was 70 pounds overweight and I was feeling frustrated because I had gone into the health field because I had struggled with my weight my whole life. And so like, I think I was in sixth grade and I was going to Weight Watcher meetings and stuff, but I was getting teased and my parents were like, okay, I want you to like, why don't you try this? You know, and, and my dad always struggled with his weight. And so they were trying to do for me, they were trying to help me. Right. But I was always on a diet from, I think 11 years old on. And so when I had my, my seventh baby, I was 70 pounds overweight. I just didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. I wasn't coming from a place of like, I need a beach body. I need to Mm -hmm. make sure, you know, I get back in a bikini, like that ship had sailed. I was totally okay with, with not having that look, but I just wanted to feel comfortable. And I, I wanted to feel like myself again and not Uh have my legs hurt. Um, I wanted to keep up with the kids at the playground. I wanted to look cute. Like I, I kind of felt tired of always just wearing elastic pants and not like, I knew I, I knew I wasn't showing up for myself. Like I really didn't, my husband just 
loves me no matter what I look like. So that was, that was, I wasn't doing this for anybody else other than myself in wanting to feel like the best for me, having more energy and not feeling so run down. And, and I really just wanted to feel better was really the bottom line. So it wasn't from a place of like, I need this beach body. I need to look you know, a certain way. Like I just wanted to feel better. Mm -hmm. And so I was, the thought of starting another diet was just, I was like, I really, I mean, if you name it, I've done the diet. And so after having my seventh baby, I was like, that's it. I'm not dieting. I had a master's degree in health education. I went into the health field kind of hoping for the magic bullet, you know, like hoping to learn whatever it was. So like, that wouldn't be an issue for me. And I never really found it. And I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to research what people who have lost weight long-term, like what was it that made them successful? I didn't want to have some weird restrictive diet. I had tried pills. I had tried just protein shakes. I mean, I've tried separating out the carbs and the fats. Like, I mean, you know, counting points, counting carbs, counting all that stuff. And I was like, I, I just can't do that. I, I just mm -hmm. didn't have the headspace or the emotional space to do it anymore. And a friend of mine finished a triathlon, or not a triathlon, an Ironman, which is mm. a marathon, I forget, like a hundred and something miles on a bike. Mm -hmm. And you swim two miles, then you bike ride for a hundred and something, and then you run a full marathon. And she did it. And we were like encouraging her and, and getting the text updates. And it was so exciting. And so when she completed it, I was so excited for her. But then the very next emotion I had was jealousy. And my brain immediately was like, well, it must be nice to have so much free time of being able to just spend on yourself. Right. And I, and I, I heard my brain say that, and I immediately felt bad. Like that is not who I am. I'm not a jealous person. I was genuinely thrilled for her accomplishment, but then I was like, okay, that's an interesting feeling to have jealousy. And, and I started just paying attention to the soundtracks were going on in my brain. And mm -hmm. I was feeling guilty too, because I wanted this large family. And I, you know, like I wanted the, the situation I created so that sure. the fact I was feeling overwhelmed just made me feel guilty. Sure, right? you're and like, so wait, I, I asked for this, yes. but why am I asking for something I need? Which is what I think all mothers feel. But yes, in your mind, you're like, I wanted this big family. And now I'm not complaining about it, but now you're like, oh, I don't have time. And it's like, well, you can't have that. You can't have that all. You're only allowed to have this. Yeah. Yeah. And then I felt guilty for that because I'm like, well, if I was a good mom, I wouldn't feel stressed or overwhelmed. I created this, you know, and so all of a sudden, you know, here I am, you know, like feeling overwhelmed. What right do I have to feel overwhelmed? Like you did this to yourself more or less. <laughs> like mm -hmm. that was so weird, but I, you know, and so like to feel better, I'd find myself like going in and grabbing, you know, a handful of chocolate chips at 4 PM every day and, and just looking for ways to calm down or, or just distract myself from those negative emotions, because I just didn't, I felt guilty for feeling them. Right. Yeah. And so when I started out, I called it my year of grace. And I was like, I'm going to figure out how to lose weight for the last time so that I don't have to do this. And if I could figure it out and actually do it, I'll teach as many women as, that will listen because I felt so tired of always having to go to bed feeling like a failure. Like, oh, that diet didn't work. I have no self-control. I have no willpower. I'm just this huge failure, you know? So I was like, all right, if I could figure this out and actually do it, I'm going to teach as many people that will listen to me. So that's how health, wellness and chocolate came about. But, you know, on this year of grace journey, I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence is really just understanding what feelings you have going on and being aware of them mm -hmm. instead of only just reacting to the feelings and not really paying attention. So when I was feeling overwhelmed, 
my brain would immediately say, go get something to eat. Cause that's how you'll feel better. Cause that's kind of how my brain learned. Like Katie will feel better when she eats chocolate. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it, like, it's just an automatic default. So if I was feeling stressed or overwhelmed, like four o'clock in the afternoon, the dial of my day gets turned up. The kids get louder. It's been a long day already from homeschooling and having them around and then knowing, okay, my husband's probably not home for another couple hours. Bedtime's at least four hours away. You know, it was like, go have some chocolate, go have some chocolate chips. You'll feel so much better. And that's what I would do. So then once I learned this, like, you know, your emotions aren't just something you should run away from, but actually pay attention to and try to figure out where they're coming from and address that. Because if you can address that, you're going to naturally not be drawn to food. Food food won't feel so irresistible then because you're actually dealing with the root of whatever it is that's driving you towards the eating. And and the Mm -hmm. same could be said for alcohol. So if like the wine is calling you at four o'clock in the afternoon, because you feel like you have to have that glass, like get to the root of like why that's driving so hard, because in that is where the behavior change comes in. Mm -hmm. And so I just started paying attention to those moments in my day where food seems so hard to get away from, or, Mm -hmm. you know, where it just felt like I just have to have this treat. Like I deserve this. The kids are finally sleeping. I deserve these cookies or I deserve, you know, you can fill in the blank. And so I learned that and I was like, okay, well, what else could I do that would give me as much comfort that I could do instead that would support my health goals as well. So I wouldn't feel deprived, but I could do instead. So I, I, one of the things, and I, I teach this is like, figure out what your strengths are and what lights you up and what kind of motivates you. And then try to find ways that you can work in your strengths so that your emotional tank isn't so doesn't feel so depleted and then food won't be so hard to resist. Right. So I found like one of my things I love to do is teach. I missed it. I was a health educator, but once I stayed home and I taught my children, which was nice, but I did miss having like these conversations. I love this. And I thought, okay, well, I I would listen to a, I'd love to learn, right? That was another one. So at four o'clock every day, instead of heading to the the chocolate chip bag, like, you know, why don't we all go outside? I'll walk around because I like to walk and get outside and that will help me decompress a bit. And I'll listen to a podcast and it can be about anything I want it to be about that I find interesting. So I kind of get that, that Mm -hmm. learning that my brain really wanted and I'll walk around and the kids can play and they can get rid of some energy and I could get rid of some energy. So I did that. It was just a simple little tweak. It didn't cost me a thing. All it was is like at four instead, or, or whenever I got that urge to like, okay, eat those chocolate chips. Like, you know what? Let me go outside first and walk around. And then if I still want them, I'll have them, but let me do this instead for now mm-hmm. and see how I do. And I just started doing that, but I, I would do it throughout the day whenever those feelings f- felt big or, you know, the emotions felt like I wanted to go eat something. And so those little tweaks over the course of the next year, I lost 60 pounds. It was amazing to me. And I had struggled forever and I I didn't feel deprived, but I just started paying attention. I would pause before, before I'd go like, just grab something to eat, you know, the handful of nuts, the cheese or the chocolate or whatever it was. It was like, you know what, do I really want this? Am I really hungry for this? Or, or am I feeling something I'm trying to avoid. And it could even be like, oh, it's Friday and everybody's home and it's time to party and let's, you know, now we deserve this. And so, I mean, it could even be feelings of joy, but I was like, do I have to eat in order to feel happy too? Mm-hmm. Or could I actually just enjoy what's happening in the present moment without needing to, to celebrate it with food? So it was really just a learning experience of how 
my brain would take whatever thoughts I was having and then tell me, let's go eat, you know? And so it was really just undoing years of that habit and learning and that. your subconscious. It sounds like you really had to tap into your subconscious. Mm-hmm. And I love that because you, in essence, were building habits, mm-hmm. right? Positive habits that in turn made you lose the weight because you're, you're now not ingesting things that you would have because you're stopping you're tapping into your subconscious and saying okay am I really wanting this you know your whole the whole process but then also saying and then if I want some I want some because I think a lot of times we do that and then we put so much pressure and say okay well no but I really want the cookies and then because you can't have them then you kind of want them more it's almost like that bad fruit like you want you know it's like it's just our subconscious if we know we are not supposed to have it we just want it more but you told yourself like no it's okay and then if you still want it we'll have it and I think it's kind of like you take off that pressure and I love that because then in essence you built the habits without having that pressure and really tapped into your subconscious yeah yeah and so there's so many cool byproducts that happened one I finally felt powerful instead of powerless Mm -hmm. over food, right? I built my self-efficacy. I was able to say, I I actually can resist food. Like I I actually am capable of meeting my needs without Mm -hmm. just defaulting on food. Right. So then my, then I felt like I was more in control and then I could take these meta skills that I was learning and then apply them to other areas of my life without feeling like I was reacting to whatever situation was going on around me. I could say, okay, no, I, if I could do this over here, I can do, I could totally do this over here too, you know? And it's like these skills, these habits, right. And then they kind of ripple into all the different areas of your life. It's like, I can do hard things. I could do this. I've done this before, you know? And then did you add exercise to it? Were you doing, or was it just, did you keep it, you know, with the walking? Cause I, I do know people that walk regularly and they don't do high intense exercise and they've lost weight and that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. But instead of, you know, in the beginning, maybe it was around the neighborhood, they, they walk and they walk for further. What, what did you tap into? So first it was the walking and it's just in my driveway. Like I, the, mm-hmm. my driveway, it goes in a circle. And so the kids can play and I don't have to worry about traffic. And and I would just walk. So that was, that's how I started. And then somebody sent me, I think some women from church sent me a thing like, oh, do you want to do this? It's a plank challenge. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. And it was, it was 20 seconds. It was the first day was 20 second plank. And that's how I started. And it felt so hard <laughs> to do, especially after having seven babies, I had no core strength at all. So 20 seconds was like, holy cow. And I think, I think it was over the course of like 30 days. And then that mm-hmm. last one was like two minutes or five minutes, but I did it. I was like, I'm going to challenge myself. Let's see if I could do this, you know? And so I was able to do it. And then I found for me, I do not like boot camp, hardcore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because now I've had eight babies and I just, my body does not like jumping. Mm-hmm. Um, it hurts, you know, but I do like Pilates. I do like weight training. I just don't like the jumping around part. Sure. Like I just, it just hurts. So I don't do that. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to find something I like to do. I'm mm-hmm. not going to force myself to try things I hate. So I, you know, even now I'll do Pilates, I'll do weight training. I still walk at four o'clock every day, you know, unless it's really raining out hard even like a small, like today it's kind of sprinkling out, but we'll still go outside. Cause I feel like my boys need it just as much as I need it too. Mm-hmm. And then I love the summer because then after dinner, we'll all go out again and walk around and they'll ride their bikes or they'll play, you know, on the swings or, or the sandbox or whatever, but it's just a really nice thing to do. Like, I love it. And, and the funny thing is too, with the walking, like I don't, 
I don't walk for the exercise benefit. I really do walk for the mood benefit and the mind benefit. Like, I just yeah. feel like I could blow the dust off. I can just, I don't have to think, I don't have to be on if I'm just walking. It's just, I just decompress and I find it just helps so much, you know, for me, as far as stress reduction goes. And that was key. You know, like I, if I could just decompress and just fill my tank up emotionally and, and not have so much stress, I found that I was just in a better mood and then food wasn't so hard to resist because I, I, my brain wasn't telling me you need to go eat to feel better. Right. So it was just like, that's how I started. And now I like feeling strong with the weight training and I don't, you know, and I've, I've talked about this before too, but like even going to the gym for me in the season of life I'm at right now, that isn't something that's really feasible. You know, I, it's not in our budget. I, it would be about a two hour time commitment for me every day. Cause the gym I would want to go to is about 20 minutes. I still have babies at home. And, and so rather than like joining a gym and then feeling bad that I never use it yeah. again, I went through that thing. Like, all right, is this something that for me right now is going to really work and be realistic about it rather than being optimistic and then, and then not using mm-hmm. it and then and then, feel guilty, and then that'll go yeah. spiral. Who knows what that'll yeah. spiral into? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, you know, for me right now, a gym really isn't something that would work, but I'll just work out at home. And so even that I have to find a time when the kids are either occupied or they're not going to want me, you know? So I found, I get up between five 30 and six in the morning and I have time for tea and just to do some reading by like seven if the kids are just starting to wake up, I can work out and get a workout in. And then right around eight o'clock, we'll eat breakfast. And then we start our, our homeschool day. So that's kind of like the, the schedule I do, but it has to work for me. Now I know if I said, oh, I'm just going to wake up at 5am and I'm going to work out right away. As soon as I wake up, I know I'd never do it because I, I hate, I have to wake up a little, I, I love my tea. I love having a cup of tea in the morning. Like I know myself and I know what I'll do and I know what I won't do. So I don't, maybe because I'm going to be 45, I'm just kind of over the idea of feeling like I have to do something just because someone told me that it's a good idea. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, well. for sure. Or because the masses are doing it and no, I love it. Cause you're very tapped into no being realistic and yes. saying, what'll make me more happier is if I do this and this, and then I'll jump into the workout. And I think that's where some people get stuck is because they're putting the unrealistic expectations yeah. and not setting the boundaries. I know for me, I'm very big on yes, doing what's going to fill me up. And one of the days I was like, okay, well, what's going to make me happy right now is to make sure that laundry basket is not, is, is empty. So yeah. I had other things to do that, you know, someone's like, well, why would putting the laundry, I was like, well, that was going to make me happy because I didn't, I no longer wanted to see the clothes in the laundry basket. I mean, and of course that's a small example, but it's just, you know, whatever that is, whatever makes you happy, then do it. But I'm interested, where did the name come in from? For health, wellness and chocolate and chocolate, the chocolate. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wanted when people read it to understand, like there's a balance in life and that the health is important. Wellness is important. And chocolate, chocolate really kind of represents like the it's indulgence the good. as well. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like there's balance. And one of my, one of the taglines I always say is, you know, extra weight is just a symptom of life out of balance. Mm-hmm. And if we can just figure out what's out of balance and just take some tweaks, the other things fall into place. And mm-hmm. I really believe that, you know? And so I wanted something to, to kind of express that and like health, wellness and chocolate. And so many women can relate to that. It's like, oh, wait. I can have both or or like all three, like, is that possible? You know, Mm -hmm. and, and it is because, you know, there's the other end of the spectrum too, where 
you're so rigid and it's like orthoexia, right? Like you're so preoccupied with health and wellness that that is actually damaging too. So, you know, you want to have balance in your life and you need, there's times for chocolate. There's time for, you know, health and wellness. And there's a balance of life that you have to kind of find sure. too as well. So, And how did that turn into you wanting to create this a business? First off, how many years ago was this? Because you said this was by your seventh child. Yeah, so, yeah. and That was 2015. Wow. I started. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, so I started a few years ago with health, wellness and chocolate, but in the meantime, I had another baby. So, and because I homeschool and there's eight of them, like this is something that's kind of like been growing slow and steady sure. over the past few years. But I just wanted to be able to, like I said, I I did a lot of kind of soul searching through this whole year of grace. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I really missed was being able to just teach as a health educator and uh, reach women. So I was like, you know, let, if I, if I did this, the health, wellness and chocolate, and just taught them what I learned and how to use the tools I learned, then they'll benefit you know, even if they didn't want to lose weight, like even if it was just a matter of, you know, maybe just being a better version of themselves or just mm. trying to figure out like, okay, why do I always feel like so tired at the end of the day? Or why, why do I always feel so stressed out? Like, and why, you know, they feel guilty about it. Like maybe, maybe I'm just a terrible mom, you know, like all those mm. thoughts that you have, it's like, why don't you figure out what is, what is stressing you out and then kind of reverse engineer it and get to the root of that and tweak that. And then the stress kind of will dissipate as it goes, you know? So I felt like, you know, if, and I had said that from the very beginning, if I could figure out how to fix this for me, like the diet, you know, diets don't work. And I knew that that I had 30 years of, (laughs) of evidence to show that, you know, but I was like, if I could figure out what does work, I think that, that women shouldn't feel like failures every time they go to bed, if they are trying to lose weight or that they, they think like, well, I just don't have willpower or whatever way we beat ourselves up. I was like, that has to stop because it's really not fair because we're looking at the wrong thing. And I always, I, I was giving this example the other day, one of my cars, the tire sensor is, is off on it. And it keeps telling me that the, there's low tire pressure. And so I'll go to the gas station and I'll use the tire pressure thing and I'll fill up and then, then I'll fill up one of the tires thinking that's it. And it's not. So I'll go to a different gas station and fill up a different tire. And, and then the, the, the sensor still is, doesn't go off the light still on go and fill up a different tire. And I kind of feel like that is how diets work too. Like we'll go from one diet to the next thing and okay, this must be it. This is going to fix me or this, this is what's wrong. Or, you know, I'll try this way of eating. That must be it. And it's really like the sensor is off. And if you could just fix the sensor, then the diet, you know, like then the low pressure stuff will just kind of go away. Right. And that's kind of the way diet is too. It's like, you know, you can, if you could figure out just like, why does food feel so important? Why are you feeling so overwhelmed? You know, are you lonely? Are you, are you feeling anxious? Are you, you know, I think COVID is a perfect example. So many people actually gained like the COVID 15, you know, because we felt powerless in our lives to control what's happening outside of us. Food is a natural comfort. And so, you know, when you feel powerless, you'll look for something that you can control. And a lot of times food is like an easy win, you know, and so, or, or a way to distract, you know, and so there's so much more of living we could be doing rather than just kind of being stuck in like, what diet should I try next? Points and counting the points and not really living our life. So why don't you talk about some of the programs and services offered? You have your wellness workshop bundle, how to eat like your skinny friends, health and wellness blueprint, and the homeschool mom survival kit. Why don't you kind of touch on a little bit of each one? 
Yeah. So the homeschool, I'll start with the homeschool mom survival kit. Cause that's kind of like the one that's like one of these things is a little different than the others, you know, <laughs> but the homeschool mom survival kit I made last year because we were getting, I was, I, I, I do speak at homeschool conferences, especially yeah. for health and wellness for homeschool moms, especially like how to handle stress and, and that kind of thing. And so when the whole thing with COVID went down, we got a lot of calls about speaking online at homeschool conferences about two homeschool moms that are new that have never done this before. And I was like, you know what, this is fine because we've homeschooled now. It'll be 11, it's 11 years. We started 11 years ago homeschooling. And so what I wanted to do was just tell moms like how to create a sustainable life for homeschooling without, you know, without beating themselves up. Like homeschooling really is a marathon. And so, and I, I do believe that whoever the person is typically, I guess it's the mom that does it. So if she's overwhelmed or doesn't really know her own limits and her own personality, and like, so for example, if she's a total introvert, but then she goes ahead and signs the kids up for all these different activities and she's feeling run down and burnt out, right? Because she doesn't, she thinks she's yeah. doing great by her kids, but she's kind of forgotten that she matters too. You know, she's not going to stick with homeschooling. She's going to burn out by the end of the year and say, though, this was not successful because she was miserable, right? Maybe the kids are thriving, but she just, she's like, I cannot keep this up. Right. So yeah. I'm a huge advocate for homeschooling. I think it's wonderful. So I wanted to encourage women, you know, if it's something that they choose to do, you know, not that it would be a fit for everybody, but if, you know, they were giving it a go, but they sure. wanted to maybe start off strong, you know, that I have self-care for the homeschool mom, like how to take care of themselves, like a logistics, a day in the life, what, what it looks like in our school day, kind of pull back the curtain and see like, okay, this is when we do what we do. And this is how I juggle keeping the two-year-old safe and happy, yeah. with, you know, and not clogging the toilet while we're doing math kind of thing, you know, like all the crazy logistics. Well, and, and, I guess, and to interject there for a minute, and then because you do have, so all of your kids, even though they're in high school, they're still being homeschooled by you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you manage high school, middle school and elementary school? So my high schoolers, once they get to like sophomore year, well, actually like right around seventh or eighth grade, I can give them their assignments and they'll do them. And then they just have to show me them. Mm. So a lot of what they're doing is like, they'll either watch the lesson or they just have to read the lesson and then do the, the work that's in the thing, or they'll be reading a book and I'll, and I'll ask them questions about the book that they're reading. And so I know what they're getting and what they're not sure. getting. And, and that goes or for reports all their that they have. And a lot of that mm -hmm. is still independent work that they have to do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then we do do a co-op. So they'll get like, if there's, you know, like there's one of the classes I have them take with someone else is like a writing class for, for like a college level writing class. So they know how to like cite their sources and they know how to do like a work cited page and all those things. So like they're ready for college, the math that they do, you know, algebra, calculus, geometry, that is, we use a program called teaching textbooks and that's graded online. So they, they would log in and then the they get the lesson and then they'll get practice questions. And then as they go, it's graded. And if they don't know the answer, they can see how the problem is done. Or if they get the question wrong, they could see how it's done. So they could see where they made their mistakes and oh, stuff. And okay. it was developed by two Harvard graduates. And so they're brilliant men and they created this math program. So that's what we use for high school for math, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so anyway, I found curriculum for them that they could open up read what it, what is required for them to read, answer the questions. We can discuss it, but they don't need me to sit there and, and explain sure. to them. Like, I don't have to hold their hand and spoon feed the younger sure. guys I do. So that's where I spend a lot of my time is with the younger kids. And then the older kids kind of 
they like to go hunker down in the room, do their work, come back up for air and a snack. And then like, I'll check their stuff like, you know, throughout the day, but they kind of like that independence. And then there are online programs or like I said, at our co-op that we go to, we'll take classes with other people to get them really prepped for college with a little bit more hardcore classes. Yeah. And okay. I got other- you. No, yeah. cause it's like, it's your, you're thinking of homeschooling and I'm like, you know, there's so many, not stereotypes, but ide- ideologies of what you think homeschooling is. So there's a friend of mine, she homeschools and she only has one, her, her son. And so she can give all of her, yeah. you know, all of her time and energy to her son and her, she actually lives in New York. She they have a condo, mm-hmm. two bedroom condo. Part of her family room is his stuff and also his room. She has it set up almost like a, a full teacher, I guess, how I would imagine an actual classroom is. But then I also have another mom that I know who own homeschools and her son is in, I think, sixth or seventh grade. And it's a kind of combination of what you do where she's doing it. But then there's also the co-op that they have and he is older. So, you know, there's online things. Yeah. Have you noticed an influx of now homeschooling? Well, I'm sure you have because there's there's a lot. So there's so many I'm assuming resources that you have even now that maybe you didn't even have an 11 years ago. So why don't you speak on that a little bit where you have more of those resources that weren't there yeah, or, or as time went on? Yeah. If you have any of your listeners that are, are new to homeschooling or they like definitely want to look into it, I would recommend there's a book called The Ultimate Guide to Homeschooling and it's by Deborah Bell and they could just get it on Amazon. I'm not an affiliate for it at all, but I found that that's one of the best resources that I had from, you know, from the start, because she'll give you links to things. She'll even ask you questions like, what is your vision for the homeschooling? So for us in the morning, we all meet at, at 9 a.m. in our either living room or dining room. And then we'll go through. So like we're Christians. So like we'll read a Bible passage and then we'll, we'll read some poetry. We'll do like a short story. So like right now, everybody, so here's something too. Everybody right now, regardless of the grade, mm-hmm. we're all studying American history this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I try to keep everybody on the same topic as far as history goes. And like everybody's doing chemistry. Now our field trips can kind of be around those two things. And then sure. any read aloud books I do would have like those components in it. So in the morning at morning time, I'm reading Benjamin Franklin, a you know, story about Benjamin Franklin, but we live in Pennsylvania, right? So for us to go down to Philly and go see the Liberty Bell, like that's not, that's not a big deal, right? Like we could go sure. do that. No big deal. So whatever, whatever year it is, I try to do. So last year we did medieval history. So I try to move up and then every four years we cycle back down. So that is the curriculum we use for that is called a gentle feast. Mm-hmm. And I like it because it has the lesson plans already there. I don't have to invent the wheel and it goes, it's a curriculum from, from kindergarten up through 12th grade. But it gives you each grade she kind of lumps together. So kindergarten to second grade, she'll tell you, okay, these are the books that would be good. These are the activities, Mm -hmm. right? And then like as they get older, she calls them forms. So like form one, two, three, and four. And so I know we're all studying the same topic Mm -hmm. and they'll get different, you know, my elementary school kids are going to get like maybe a more shallow view than my high schoolers, but the topic is the same. So if we went to the Ben Franklin Museum, you know, everybody would at least be exposed to him. And kind of, so everybody would benefit. Even my first grader would get, take away something cool. My, you sure. know, my junior, my sophomore in high school would get a different takeaway. But anyway, so that's kind of how I do it. Like I try to lump those things together so that it's a little bit easier 
Okay. So what was I saying? No, so we were going into <laughs> services and pro, no, because I, I'm so um, intrigued with the whole homeschooling idea, but okay. So you, you had your mom, your homeschool mom survival kit, and it's right, basically yeah. a how to survive mm-hmm. homeschooling. Yeah. How to avoid overwhelm and, and yeah. all of that stuff, mm-hmm. which I love. So then go yeah. into the health and wellness stuff that you have. Okay. So the wellness workshop bundle is really just like four workshops I put together. It's like $29.99. I just wanted, if someone was kind of like, who is this chick and what is she talking about? You know, like, it's kind of like, <laughs> like you can tiptoe and stick your feet in the water without mm-hmm. like really, you know, huge investment. But, and it's just, it's literally like understanding prediabetes. So if someone's just been diagnosed mm-hmm. with prediabetes or they're struggling with their blood sugar, it's just understanding like, what are those numbers? You know, what can you do? What tweaks can you make? I know it's like a scary thing, you know, yeah. especially to someone who's new with that. So it's just a, a you know, tutorial about understanding pre-diabetes, self-care 101 workshop. I put in lose weight for the last time, three steps that they could do to get Mm. started on their weight loss and then how to manage stress and anxiety without using food or alcohol. And then the, the health and wellness blueprint is really like my signature course where they can join. We meet weekly for 12 weeks at a time and they can ask me questions. I usually teach a live class, but then I have the course itself, which is nine main modules all about how to lose weight for the last time. And then I have advanced courses in there as well on, on going deeper into the mindset and the habit formation and understanding deprivation, understanding the root of the emotional eating. And then I have a, like a 20 page workbook that goes along with it called the user manual. The ebook is inside of that as well. The, the, how to eat like your skinny friends ebook. So it's kind of my signature course, but it's not just the course. It's also a coaching program as well that they can sign up for. I love it. And how can women find you? Are you promoting, you know, do you have through word of mouth? Are you pushing it? Because you, I'm like, I know you, I I always find it interesting when I talk to moms and it's like, oh yeah, I'm doing this and this. And it's like, first off, you know, hats off to you because you know, you're, you're homeschooling your kids. You have eight children. And I know again, with just having the one of how much energy and time and devote, you know, is to that and the overwhelm of thinking about your children and making sure. So I don't want to say how do you balance it all, but how how can women find you? And you know, what are you doing to promote it? Do you have a certain number of women that you like to work with to where it's not big? Like, how does that work for you? Yeah. So what I have like I have opportunities if people want to work one-on-one, but it's very limited. So I only take I don't take any more than 10 at a time as far as that goes. But yeah. I created the courses because I felt like I could reach people. But, and, and I'm here, like they can always email me or like if they are in the health and wellness blueprint, we can meet weekly for like, a, you know, 30, 40 minutes on a Monday morning at 10 AM. We, we log on to a zoom call just like this. And then we chat and they can ask questions. I usually give a, a, a mini deep dive, I guess, mm-hmm. into one of the topics inside the blueprint and almost give them, you know, like some homework to do sure. to, to keep, keep them on track or, or get them going. We're course correct for their, for their own weight loss and mm-hmm. teach a tool or whatever. And then what I wanted to do is create it. So it was sustainable. That didn't require a lot of me being behind a computer, uh, you know, for eight hours a day, because that's not realistic. I mean, you know, my, I feel like I've been called to be a mom and, and be a homeschool mom. So that's where I need to be, but I also want to serve these women. Yeah. Yeah. So I I bartered with my oldest daughter. She wanted a cell phone. And since she was driving, I'm like, all right, let's we'll barter. So she watches the younger guys for two hours a day. 
in exchange for cell phone and cell phone service and all that stuff. And so like Monday through Friday, you know, I come up here and I'll do the teaching and I'll record a podcast or create whatever it is I need to create, meet with client or whatever, and then head back downstairs. But I love it for me too, because I'm able to serve them, but it's a nice balance because I get to connect and teach women and encourage moms on this journey that we're on. But then I still get to go back downstairs and be with my kids and be a mom and, you know, homeschool them. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. Yeah. And then your older daughter is also learning. I mean, she might, you know, the barter of it, but of Mm -hmm. being like, no, this is what you want. Okay. Well, you have to earn your keep in a way with that because these things are expensive. They cost money. So, you know, during that. So I I love that. And Mm -hmm. actually may I ask, have any of your children ever expressed of wanting to go to regular school? No. And I ask them every year. (laughs) Really? I do. I ask them like, all right, are you guys good? Because like every year I have to kind of psych myself up because it is a marathon. You know, it's not, there are times. Yeah. There are times where it's like, what was I thinking? Like my day could be so much quieter (laughs) if I just drove them to school, you know, but I love it. Like, and I do want to encourage, like, I want to keep it real, but you know, I do like, I, I, my heart is to encourage. It's like anything else. I love my job. I love my career, but there are times I'm like, it's like anything else, right? It's you're going to go through it, but I love that. So you check in with them and you're like, look, where are you guys at with this? Yeah, I do. And it's funny too, because there's a local school nearby and I got their folder and I like, there was like one really bad day I think and I'm like let me just call and see if they're are they accepting you know so I have the folder on the shelf and they're like what are you doing I'm like no I was just looking into it it's not it's you know wow. but that's like, awesome no. that so that they're happy and can they're they happy are. with that that's great it. so that the testament yeah. to that to you and I mean of course like you said the co-op so of course there's so many yeah. different things that they're getting so that's kudos to you for that you know oh, so that's that's awesome so before we go into like some things about you and what you do to make time, you know, other things for self-care that I know we touched base on a little bit. If you can give maybe two or three top things of what you really help with moms of dealing with stress and anxiety, other than getting to the core, or I guess if you want to say, like, what are things that moms come to you for? Like, I'm interested of like, what's that? Like two to three things that are the most common that you help moms with. I guess I'll say that in dealing with stress and anxiety. So I think like overwhelm is probably one of the biggest things. Like, how do I get it all done? And I always say like, something I learned was this, like if you think in your life of, of something, a situation that you think is going really awesome, like it's just working out, right? And then think of a situation that is very stressful for you or like it's not working out for you at all. You're really frustrated, right? The reason, the one thing you think of that is really working out for you is because whatever expectation you have for it matches Mm -hmm. the situation, right? And whatever expectation you have for the thing that's not working for you does not match Mm -hmm. your expectation, okay? So you can do two things. You can either change the situation or you can change your expectation. And a lot of times situations, like if we're trying to change them, it might just be the reality that the situation is what it is. It's not something that's going to change. So you really have to adjust maybe your expectation for it because you really can't control, you can't control other people. You can't control other people's behavior, right? But you can control how you think about it or you can control, not that you're accepting their behavior, but you just might have to say, okay, this is really what is, Mm -hmm. this is the reality of what's going on. And I just need to change my expectation like this, or it it might be somebody, someone, a person, maybe you're Mm -hmm. very frustrated Mm -hmm. with no amount of frustration on your part is really going to change that person's behavior. So you can just chalk it up to like, okay, this is who they are. 
maybe they are incapable of acting a different way, but I have spent enough emotional energy on trying to get that situation changed. And like you can adjust your, your expectation mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. you know, or change, you know, change how you show up for it. That changes the situation too. Sure, but sure. then that frustration is kind of diminished. And mm-hmm. so you're not really fighting then um, and using up so much emotional energy. And then that overwhelm will naturally kind of abate. You can look at a date, you know, if you're struggling, like maybe just day to day stuff, like with overwhelm, just in, you know, laundry or a clean house or, you know, like get tools then that will help you create a schedule that will help you like really kind of take time and sit down. And I call it like a brain dump, really like the the nuts, right. The nagging unfinished tasks, just sit down and start listing them. And it doesn't matter how silly you might think it is like that laundry in the basket. I totally get that because it, it creates like this, it's like a gnat. It's just like a never ending gnat that you're yeah. like, I can't, it's not yes. going away. Like it yes. has to get done. Yeah. And, and there are scientific studies that have been done. They, they took a group of people and they put them in a kitchen that was disorderly and, and kind of messy. And they had food out available for the people to eat. And then they took another group of people, put them in the same kitchen and with the food available to eat. And the only difference was they cleaned the kitchen. So the kitchen was orderly and they noticed the people in the first group that went into the disorganized, messy kitchen ate Mm -hmm. a significant amount more than the people in the clean kitchen. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea of like the more of these nagging unfinished tasks, the the mess and the chaos, and it it does deplete you. And we might not think it's really that important, but like just creating a peaceful home does so much for your well-being. You know, like I I know so many times we think like, okay, I have to go for a run in order to be well and healthy. But, you know, it might be like maybe just spend a day cleaning out the junk drawer and like organizing your pantry or just tidying up the house. You know, like that might actually be more beneficial than going for that run for you at that moment. And you know that's what, what I, I mean? was saying? I was supposed yeah. to go for the walk because I love walking in my neighborhood and I'm like, I need to get this laundry out of here. And I felt so good because now then when I go on my run or walk either later that day or the next day, I don't have that on my mind. I've let yeah. that go. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that's huge. That's huge. So if you could sit down and say, if especially as a mom, if you're feeling overwhelmed, like write down those nagging unfinished tasks. And it could be so like there's a toilet paper roll, like the the thing that holds the toilet paper roll in my house. And it's like not on. And it drives me crazy. Cause then I'm always looking for the toilet paper, like where to go. Like that is one of those things I'd write down, like fix the toilet paper roll holder or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like no matter how silly it is. Cause it does kind of like, it just scrapes away. I think <laughs> it <laughs> does. And then if you start adding more and yeah. more of those unfinished things that creates, my husband has issues with that. And I, I try to, you know, it's funny of his, his overwhelming me. I'm, I'm okay with that his he'll add things and he's like well I can't because my list and I'm and I told him I was like you need to do a brain dump and put everything on a sheet of paper that you have to do and then tackle he's like but they're all important I'm like no 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 you need to tackle like the top three that like just have to get done yeah think about the other things and then work to the next thing right because yeah when we have so many thoughts in our head it's so easy to get overwhelmed right with it yeah and Um, then that feeling ripples into everything else too because it's like oh you know and then you feel like you know what I just need relief 
And then the, then there goes the chocolate. <laughs> For sure. you know, it's like, oh, or you're not it. sleeping well, and yeah. which also can lead to health issues. Like there's yeah. a whole, you know, the insomnia yeah. aspect of it. Yeah, I right. think our mental health has a lot to do with our physical health. Definitely. You know, on so many levels. So that was one of your, your biggest things was you're saying yeah. overwhelm. Why don't you also say, you know, if there was maybe another thing, and then I want to go into how do you, or how do you hope to impact, you know, your community or the, the women that you help? Okay. So not just overwhelmed, but also this idea of feeling nurtured. Right. And so what I have learned on this, on this journey too, was like, there was a part of you at some point in your life, like if you use food to fill up or, or just like anything, like really, it could be retail therapy. It could be alcohol. It could be gossip, like any way that you do like creating drama, anything like that. If you can sit down and find out like what, how does that serve you? Like, what is it you're lacking? Typically it's nurture. Like you are looking for a way to feel better. And so if you can find like, okay, well, what in my life is causing me to need to feel nurtured? Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll give you an example. When we, when I had just had my eighth baby, we wanted to, we had one shower and there was 10 of us. So we're like, okay, let's add another bathroom. And like, we had a laundry room in our bedroom and we were like, let's get, rid of that and put uh, a bathroom back in. It used to be a bathroom. And then the previous owners turned it into a laundry room. And I get that, but like, I'm like, I really need another bathroom. So we had asked the man, our contractor, like a year prior to even Mm -hmm. getting pregnant, like, can you get here? But he, he just had a waiting list. So literally leaving the hospital, he texts like, is it cool? I could start Monday. And I was like, what? I had a three day old baby. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess so. Cause we waited so long and we really needed the space and we needed it. So it's like, all right, I'll just have to, I'm going to have to just get over it, you know, and kind of cope. But I know I didn't want to feel lousy. I didn't want to feel overwhelmed. Right. So I was like, okay, I know the situation would be stressful. And so this is what I would recommend for your listeners too. Figure out like coming, like looking ahead rather than reacting to what's coming up, right? But look ahead. Okay, what's coming up for me this coming month that I know is going to be stressful or big? And then look for ways that you can kind of circumvent it, almost deconstruct it. So for me, knowing, all right, how, how do I, how can I feel better when I know this is going to be chaotic and I'm going to want to hole up in my room trying to nurse my new baby? Like, what can I do to, to make sure like I'm, cared for. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get a heated blanket and I'm going to get a tea kettle, like an, an electric tea kettle. So I can make myself a cup of tea while I'm up here and nursing the baby. And I get sit on a heated blanket and that will help me like feel cozy calm. and like, yeah. yeah, calm in like the midst of chaos. And so I would totally recommend looking ahead, take a week ahead of time and look and say, or even a month ahead of time, okay, what's coming up for me? What do I need to do? What is my week like? How can I work backwards then and Mm -hmm. kind of head it off at the pass so that I am not just reacting to the urgent, but I'm actually Mm -hmm. being proactive. So the more Mm -hmm. proactive you can be in your life, the better you can be in your life. And and that goes to like the to-do list. I guess that goes with the planning because really seeing, I I do that, but maybe not on the level that you're suggesting, but I love that. And now I'm probably going to start thinking of that and how to deconstruct because I'm a big planner, a big to-do list person. I like to see the night before the next day, even if I just write a few things, I need to see it on paper, even though my calendar, I can show you my calendar, like, but I need to see it on paper. I love that of looking at the month ahead or even a couple and say, okay, okay, this might be a little trigger for me. So what do I need to do? Let's deconstruct because I, I am like you, a very big firm believer 
and to what you said earlier, we can't change circumstances all that we can't change. Like you can't change yeah. what the person, you know, you have to kind of roll with the punches in that aspect. And I'm a big believer in that. So you got to figure out a way and say, okay, well, if I can't change them or I can't change the circumstance, what can I do Yes. to make myself feel better? Because I know it's going to be a moment that it's going to be triggering in whatever aspect yeah. that is for yeah. me, you know, whether I feel overwhelmed or stressed or whatever that is. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So over, overwhelm and nurture would be the two yeah. biggest things that you see. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think too, because of women, we don't consider ourselves really. Like, I really feel like we always take a back burner. Like when I started my year of grace, when my whole, I didn't even own a hairbrush. I was like, just, I'd grab my daughters and I just, you know, brush my hair real quick, throw it up and ponytail. Like it was just something like I had zero self-care really yeah. for myself at all. And so the only form of self-care that I knew was to go eat. And so it's like, I think if you can kind of become a ways of like that, and not in a self-centered, self-absorbed kind of way, but just realizing like, okay, I'm a person, I do have needs and I, I have to be able to show up for the people that love me the best way I can. And, and I, I need to be able to address those needs that I have without, you know, without being, you know, you don't have to become self-absorbed, but just like be aware, like, okay, you do have needs because you are human and get those needs met so that you're, it's not going for you in a, in a way that doesn't serve you. A hundred percent. No, I, I agree. And I think as moms, yeah, we always put ourselves to the, to the last, I mean, you saying that you, you're use your daughter's brush, I think is the ultimate thing of what moms do. We're always putting others before us and it is what it is. And yes, I mean, my family comes first. But yes, there are points and times of being like, no, I need to do this today. I'm going to yoga. I had a massage earlier today. Like those are the things that I'd rather yeah. spend money on those kind of experiences. And that's what fills my cup. So now that's all going to tie into how do you hope to impact your community? How do you hope to impact moms? So if I can just help even just one woman yeah. <laughs> not go to bed at night and feel like a failure or feel like, okay. I don't, or they feel like powerless. Like I can't, I, I just want to feel better about myself or I just want to have more confidence or I just want my knees to not hurt or I just want to keep up with my kids or just be healthy so I can demonstrate to them how to be healthy or I don't want food to be so important anymore, you know, or I want to do more than just think about what's what I'm going to eat next. If I can just accomplish that and teach them, you know what, there's a better way than just going from diet to diet to diet, but like become aware of like, you know, we were created for more than just what's the next diet or what's the next meal to eat. But like, there's a whole world out there and that you were created with a purpose and you have, you have stuff to share with the world too. So like, let's get past this and figure out like, why has food become the thing that you do to fill the gaps of life? Like let's fill the gaps of life with life and living. If I can get that message out to as many women as are willing to listen to me, I would be thrilled. And I think too, like giving them the power back to say like, you know what, you're more than your body size. And like, let's Mm -hmm. just get beyond that and tweak what's off. Everything else will fall into place. And like, let's move forward. Like, let's get going, living instead of worrying about counting calories and counting, you know, like carbs or protein or whatever. I love it. I love it. Uh-huh. And I know you talked a little bit, but why don't you tell me a l- what do you do to recharge and fill, refill your cup? I know you said you like your tea in the morning, and also you can you can mention a couple of things, but I want you to also tell me what your morning and evening routines look like. I'm fascinated. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that look like for you to unwind and to kind of get energized for the day? Mm-hmm. So. For me, like I said, I do, I do, I get up in the morning and I usually spend time. I, I, I will read uh, the Bible a bit. And then I usually do some sort of like a self 
help book in in one way or another. And I usually try to do that. It's almost like research. So like I can learn tools too, to help the women out that I want, but also like, just so I'm always improving, right? Like I'm always learning something I do. I am a lifetime learner. That is one of the strengths I discovered about myself. So I love to read. And so I'll do that first thing. And, and I feel like if I can kind of fill my cup up first, then once the kids start waking up, I don't feel like I'm behind the eight ball. Like I've had my quiet time. I've had time to invest in myself, in my mind and, and have that quiet time and wake up slow. And then I do fit that morning exercise in around seven. And then by eight o'clock, the house is kind of rocking <laughs> and we'll have breakfast. And then we get started at nine. I have my, I let my teenagers sleep in because they always seem to want to do that. So I let them sleep in, but by 9am, everybody's up and on the couch or at the table. And then we kind of start our school day. And then kind of like when we're done, we're done. So sometimes the younger guys, like my first graders done by lunchtime, my high schoolers, like they'll come up, take a break, go outside for a bit, come back in do another subject. Like they kind of have like the day to do whatever they want. And that's kind of like, and then four o'clock, like I said, we go outside and we walk, I walk, they, they play and, and then I'll start dinner and we'll have dinner together. And then we'll go back outside after dinner and walk and play outside some more. But then in the evening, you know, my evening routine is kind of weird because I always shower at night. I I've done that ever since I worked, I just find it's easier. And that way, when I get up in the morning, I can just get, it can just get dressed and put my shoes on. And then I feel like I'm ready for the day rather than waiting to shower and wait. So my evening routine is really like I I usually come up after we're done with outside. I'll take a shower and then we'll just hang with the kids. Usually it's really kind of low key. You know, I'll put the little guys to bed. I usually go to bed by like 930. Um, Yeah, I go to bed super early. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> and I've, I'm not, a, I'm not a night owl. So yeah, I'm in bed by nine 30. And so that's why like getting up for me early isn't hard. If I'm up late, I have a harder time getting up early, but yeah, I, I prefer to get up in the mornings. I just like it. So, but yeah, by like nine 30, I'm, I'm up in bed. So how do you and your husband have time for each other? How do you guys make so time for each other? We have to be very intentional. I'm so sure. usually so it depends on his work schedule. Like right now it's, it's so weird, but So this past few months, he's been working at like three in the afternoon till 11 at night. So he'll, so, but then he's home in the morning. So then we'll make sure like, if I, if I need some time alone with him, then he'll come up. Like when I start work, when my older daughter is watching the kids and do that last week, just for an example, he was off because of hurricane Ida had come through Mm -hmm. and he works in the city. So he was not working that day. And so he was home and we had our homeschool orientation. And when we got back home, it was like right around lunchtime. We were supposed to have a picnic with all their friends, but it got, it got washed out. So then he said, Hey, what if you and I go out to lunch? Like we'll make the kids lunch. And then you and I will go out. The baby could take a nap. Our older daughter said she could watch them. So we're like, all right, let's go. You know? So we were able to do that. It's easier now to kind of find pockets of time because the older kids are older and they're willing to like chip in and help and we'll pay them. Like I don't, I try to respect their time too yeah. and not say like okay you, you know because you, you have here, to watch you owe us yeah. all this yeah I don't want to do that because I mean I don't make them change their diapers I don't you know what I mean like I I don't want to be one of those big families that expects their older kids to raise their younger kids yeah. like that was not our intention at all like yeah. I wanted to be their mom and and to do all the things so I'll just have her like if she wants to earn some extra money then she can watch them and we'll go out nice. on a date so we're just yeah. intentional though like Sunday afternoons a lot of times we'll spend together because the kids are just kind of off and doing their own 
own thing and the baby can take a nap and it's quieter. So we'll just try to be, and we have to be intentional though. Intentional. And I think being savvy with it, you find yeah. the time, you know, you yeah. have to, but that's good that you do implement that because it's so important. I mean, you guys have been yeah. married 20 years, right? 21, yeah. 21st. Yeah, It'll be 21 in, in November. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into my quick get to know. What is your favorite book? So my favorite book is Little Men. And I read it every August. Um, It is the sweetest. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's kind of, it's by the same author who wrote uh, Louisa May Alcott. She also wrote Little Women. Mm -hmm. And then, so Little Men is when one of the little women is all grown up, Joe, and they have a house and, and their house is a boarding school as well as a home, but they also take in orphans and it's all boys that they take care of. But it's, it's just... It always inspires me. I always read it in August because I feel like it's like the loveliest vision of a home where learning mm-hmm. takes place, but there's a lot of grace. There is a lot of nurturing going on for the kids. I just always find it's like an ideal, you know, and I love to be inspired going forward into the school sure. year. So I always read that every August. Okay. So that is like my favorite, my favorite book to read. <laughs> what is your favorite organizational or mom hack? I was going to say be as proactive as possible, but like, as far as mom hack goes, I love e-meals and I'm not an affiliate for them, but I what think it? it's, it's E the letter E and then meals. And it, it is an online subscription that you can get. It's not expensive. It's like $5 a month, but they give you every single week recipes that you can choose that if you want them. And then it'll, it'll send a grocery list to a store of your choice. And then you can choose like what ingredients you would need to make the recipes. And then it'll do the shopping for you. And then you can either have it delivered through Instacart, or you could just go pick the groceries up at the store that you choose for online shopping. And I love it because then it has like tons of different. So like there's clean eating that you can do. And there's like uh, Mediterranean style oh, eating. Wow. There's diabetic style eating. Uh, Gluten free, I think, is on there too. But there's a lot of different eating styles that you can do. Yeah. And then you don't have to constantly think about what to make for dinner. So, like, that is probably one of my favorite things. It's a huge time saver. And then I don't yeah. have to worry, like, do I have the ingredients? Do I not? Like, it's all listed it's then. Right like, there. it'll. Yeah, you can choose the recipes like you that you think you'd want to make and then it'll kind of kick out a grocery list for you and you can either print it out or you can just, it'll send it to a grocery store of your choice and you can just do the online shopping there. That it's me it's like a huge And huge, for $5 a month? Yeah, it's not expensive at all. Yeah, totally That's worth amazing. it. Amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I was thinking about this too. And honestly, I'd have to say, I think I would still live here. We're in Pennsylvania. There's things I don't like about it, but overall, like I just feel, I I like it here. I like having the four seasons and the beautiful woods and the fresh air. And yeah, I think, I think I'm kind of content where I am. And that took a while because one of the things I used to do was I had Zillow on my phone and I would pick a town that I think would be cool to live at. And then I'd go and look at properties all around the town and like spend hours. And I was like, this is so not beneficial for me (laughs) to be doing this and spending my time. You're like the second person I heard that loves to be on Zillow to look at homes, but that's awesome that you've come and you're like, no, I love where I live. I do. I do. I feel like we're settled. You know, we have a really great community where, yeah, I I just feel like really happy where we are. I really do. I'm content. What has motherhood taught you? It has taught me to be humble (laughs) and it has taught me like, there's a lot of things I have to let go. I I think 
for so long, I was trying to be very controlling or being like perfect or this idea of like, you know, it's all, it all, it's all on my shoulders or something. And I, I just feel like it has humbled me and made me realize, you know, there's, there's things that are important in life, but there's also things that really aren't important that we think are that you can let go and you're just happier for it. But yeah, like the humble part, you know, you like kind of feel like, okay, I'm doing really great. Like I've got my act together. We're doing awesome. And then one time at co-op when we, it was our first year there, my three-year-old at the time shimmied out one of the windows in the classroom and like left and was running through the parking lot. And like an email went out the next day, like we need to be careful. And I was, you know, like the, the, the walk of shame for moms was like, oh, that was about me and my kid that shimmied <laughs> out the window, you know, but it's like, it keeps you humble. And I guess that's good. Like, and I, I learned a lot about just, you didn't, I never realized like how self-centered you know, you are until you have kids. And then you realize, oh, I have to put them ahead of myself. And, and it's good. It's a good thing though. It's not, yeah. it's not a negative thing. It's like, okay, there's, it grows you in your character. It does. What are your final thoughts to the podcast world? Stop reacting to life, right? Look at it say, okay, what can I control? What can I let go of? Where can I shift my expectations? Where can I choose to throw my energy that I can change whatever I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed with in my life? And then just focus on that and then try to let things go that really aren't important. So like scrolling social media, getting into arguments online and spending time, like don't, don't drain your emotional tank that way. Like try to find something that lights you up and and fills you up and put some good out in the world. I love that. Thank you so much, Katie, for Thank coming you. on. It's been a great conversation. I'm sure you Well, I'm not sure. I know you've dropped a couple of gems and I'm sure, you know, some women that some women can take back with and say, okay, to really dive deep. So thank you so much for sharing your time and for sharing your Thank story you. with us. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much. Fun. I love this. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having Bye. me. Thank you for joining me this week on the Mama's No Best. We got something to say podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, NGC Consulting, where you can find them at nicolegconsulting.com. For more motherhood resources, check out themotherhoodvillage.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you'll never miss an episode. And if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or recommendation to a friend works too. And join us next time for an another amazing conversation. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.